and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried out sorrows, yet we concerned him stricken by God, smitten by him, and affected. But, we, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we, we, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of, each of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the, in, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, not was any descent, deceit in his mouth. Yet it was, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And although the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and, and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life, and he, he satisfied. Try his, try his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out, him into, poured out his life into death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession with trans, transgressors. Thank you, dear Christopher. How are we getting on? Are we on? Hello, Mark, Colin, Austin, Kim and Austin, are you in? Are you in? Have we started? Are we here? Hello, hello, hello. Yes, we are. Um, just before I start, uh, I've never done this before, but I'm going to do it now. Um, lost properties over there, but we've also got um, things that's not lost. It's things we're trying to get rid of. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, <laughs> yes, a couple of years ago we had, uh, in fact, just about a year or so ago, we had a team across from the States, and they brought lots of goodies for the kids, and we've got Atlanta Hawks bags over there, and also, and I just looked at the price tag, these are $22, and uh, we've got about 20 or 30 of these, all our kids have got one, we, we can't have our kids wearing any more, otherwise um, we just think that's the only clothes that they've got, so please, these, these are kid sizes over there, they're, kid, they're all different sizes, a big box, Please, I'd love it. It's not a jumbo sale in here, but it'd be really great if we could get rid of some of them. <laughs> Maybe it is a jumbo sale. Um, shall we pray together? Dear Father, I pray that prayer, that psalm, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. You are my rock, my redeemer, the one in whom I trust. May we hear your voice and live as we look at Christ, as we look at your son and we picture him. And we just ask who he is, who is proven to be, who others have said, and yet who he said he was. In the name, above every other name we ask, amen. Amen. C.S. Lewis um, famously said these words, which have been used by many different types of people. Um, it's, he, he, he basically says, Jesus was mad, bad, or who he claimed to be. 
And this is a little clip, a little snippet from uh, Mere Christianity. And he says these words, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. And it's this, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus says would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. Jesus has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. From C.S. Lewis, um, famous uh, writer um, and author. 2,000 years ago, people misunderstood Jesus and ultimately rejected Jesus. Um, and my, and, and maybe that we look back, because we, we know a fair bit of the Bible, and we look back and we say, how can that be? If I was around about the time, and I saw Jesus, and I saw the miracles, and I walked in the dust that he uh, blew up where he walked, then I would have fallen down at his feet and let Peter confess them as Christ. And I wouldn't have been like Peter and tried to stop him from going to the cross and be, being called the devil. And I wouldn't have been like Peter and um, have rejected him uh, those three times. No, I would have been like the women who were there right to the bitter end. But actually, if we're honest, the, we were there. Our type of characters were all there. And some of us would have stayed to the bitter end. Some of us would, would have ran away naked. And some of us would have just completely and utterly rejected them. Maybe rejected them because he didn't live up to our expectations or demands. So actually, we were there when Jesus walked in the promised land. But what was Jesus like, really? We all, many of us have had experience of Jesus by His Spirit, and we may have a mental picture of what Jesus was like. We may have favorite verses. Uh, we may have them written in the back of our Bible. But where is Je who, What's He like? And is what He says lost in translation? Have we boxed Jesus up to be something that He never intended? As C.S. Lewis just encourages us, uh, or discourages us. Um, have, we got a, a lost, have we got a lost picture of Jesus? I'm going to look at these three verses, bit by bit, over the next 20 minutes or so, and just try and build up a picture of Jesus for us, hopefully. And here is the first line in Isaiah 53, verse 1. We read, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? But the fact is, come on, do for, 
They didn't believe Jesus' message. On the whole, Jesus was not believed. I'm going to do something that I've not practiced. If you're able-bodied, would you stand, please? Able-bodied, if you can. Jesse, I know you're standing in your heart. Followers, the great crowds followed Jesus. When he walked about Galilee, he was a sensation. People traveled, and we, we read about that here and there all over the Gospels. People traveled to come. D, I can see you. I know you're standing. People traveled to come and hear and to see. And they, they came for good reasons, deep reasons. Some of them came for other reasons. So I'm just going to ask if you were born in March, if you would just sit down. Because slowly but surely, for whatever reason, people left Jesus. They rejected Jesus. They were there when he fed the 5,000 men or the 4,000 men and all the children and women from the mere picnic. But something came up or something Jesus said or some expectation of why they came out there was squashed and they left. So if you're wearing a shirt, would you sit down? Because people who wear shirts get a bit fed up from time to time, even though they've taken a tie off. But yet there were still people who followed. As Jesus came the first time to Jerusalem, we think he was in Jerusalem for three years, three occasions, mostly through John's gospel, three Passovers. And so the first Passover, there was people there and they may have celebrated and may, may have seen him do incredible miracles again. But yet again, if they get tired, thank you. So if you're tired, would you sit down? <laughs> And if you're from Inverness, sit down. <laughs> and when Jesus, in that last time, he went to Jerusalem and he went into the court of Gentiles. And God's people, for good reasons, had filled the court of Gentiles to aid the, the worship. But Jesus was infuriated because their good intentions was misplaced because they were stopping the Gentiles from approaching the only place they could approach God in the temple, in the temple of Gentiles. And so Jesus took a cord and he smashed and he overturned tables because his house was to be a house of prayer for the whole nation, all the nations. So if you live in Pitlochry, sit down. You don't live in Pitlochry. <laughs> And maybe these, and this is, this is not planned, but maybe these were the people who were there at the end because they were all women. They came and they mourned and they looked up at the cross and heard Jesus' last cry. Maybe one of these ladies here screamed, No! Because of the absolute horror of seeing the Son of God dripping with blood, given his last ruach, his last breath. Please take a seat. Because Jesus says, come and follow me. And many people said, no. 
Come and follow me. Leave your family. Leave your possessions. Come and follow in my dust. Live with me. Obey me. Because I will never leave you nor forsake you. And for whatever reasons, they rejected that message of Jesus, whether for selfish reasons or whatever reason. They did not want to do what Jesus was doing. They didn't want to obey him. So by that time, he entered Jerusalem. There was very few people. The leaders hated him. And we know that because of what he said and maybe because of what he threatened, that they plotted to kill Jesus. And we read this. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. People of God rejected Jesus' message. And of course, I need to say by and large. And yet, throughout the Old Testament, there's plenty of signposts that say Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. Moses said he's coming. David said he's coming. David says this in, in 2 Samuel 7, and there's lots of other references, but I've only put uh, three or four. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendants after you who will come from you and I will establish his kingdom. That's a promise given to David. That was to David's family that the Messiah is coming. Isaiah said he's coming. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots that will bear fruit. And Jeremiah says he's coming. And Daniel says he's coming. The Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Micah, Zechariah, Malachi, etc., all said the Messiah is coming and here is what he is going to be like. This is what he's going to see, say and this is what he's going to do. So although Jesus came to his own and they rejected him, they should have known. Just as we look back and say, if I was there, I would have known better. The truth is, they should have known better. And yet, for whatever reasons, they rejected Jesus and his message. Come on, Dufa. There. So that's the first thing. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In truth, very few people, because they rejected Jesus. And he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. In truth, they rejected Jesus and they thought of him as being quite insignificant. He grew up. He had humble beginnings. We know that he was not born in Rome, center of power. He was not born in uh, Jerusalem, 
a, a center of power. But he was born in Bethlehem, in the backwater, in an insignificant place. What good can come from Bethlehem? And we know that. And because of the very place where he was born, they rejected him. Nothing can good can come from that. I grew up in Arden, Glasgow. Nothing good can come from Arden, Glasgow. Sure, it's been said. And I'm actually sure that people who live now in Arden, Glasgow, and we were there last week, would say, what good am I ever going to make in this world? Dreams are squashed because people don't have hope and because people have told them. I can remember a, a teacher saying to me that I was impertinent. Still don't know what it means, and it might be true. <laughs> and, uh, and that's after a master's degree. I still don't know what it means. But do you know what I mean? Where you come from, certainly where Jesus came from, they rejected him because of that. Oh, we need to get new batteries in this. Alistair, can you flick? That's it. Can I read this from Matthew chapter 13? Give you time to find it. Verse 53, just through to verse 58. This is Jesus speaking. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simeon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do, and he did not do any miracles there because of their lack of faith. So they watched Jesus grow up. They knew him. They knew that little guy. They knew what his occupation was. They knew that the, the pieces of carpentry that he'd worked on, maybe the doors or the windows or the, whatever it was, they, they, knew his, they knew his work. They, they thought they knew his character. They had a, a recollection, because they didn't move around a lot, you know. They, they were settled in that place. They knew the family. They knew the type of stock that he came from. And they were offended because he was better than them. They were offended because he didn't speak like the religious leaders. He spoke as one with authority. And they were offended at him because he came from Arden, Glasgow, or he came from Bethlehem. And he was born there and grew up in Nazareth. I mean, come on. Didn't go to the best of schools, I would imagine, because he was a carpenter, although he'd have been educated to a certain age. But we do know that we, when he went into the temple and he was lost, when he was age 12 or whatever it was, that Mary and Joseph found him and he was teaching the religious leaders. 
And they were astounded at what he knew. So if the religious leaders were astounded and we know in time that they rejected him, how much more would people who he grew up with be astounded and how much should we really be surprised that they rejected him? Who do you think you are, Jesus? Don't forget where you come from. You're a nobody. So in a way, it's not unexpected that a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and his own home. And sometimes those who think they know best can't take you seriously enough. Next slide, Alistair. I love this from the message, and it's from uh, John's passage at the beginning of his gospel as well. Jesus wasn't born into royalty, although he was a king. He wasn't born into privilege, although he left all his glory and majesty. It was veiled, or as J.P. Phillips says, he squeezed into our skin. His early years were ordinary, and they were quite like ours, yet he was without sin. And John, or Eugene Peterson, sums it up by saying, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood beside us. Where is holy ground? Here is holy ground. God is beside us. He is with us. He is not far. Jesus became flesh and dwelt with us in our experience right next to us. And for that reason, people didn't take him seriously. Next slide, please. And they considered Jesus to be a nobody. And again. And he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And so, Jesus was rejected for looking ordinary. I've got a whole series of pictures I'm going to throw up here. Alistair, who do you think Jesus looks like? Next one, is that your picture of Jesus? Is that your picture of Jesus? Is that? Or is that? How about an African Jesus? Or an Eastern Jesus? Or maybe Jesus is my buddy? Or possibly, and the final one there, the laughing Jesus. Do you know there's nothing in Scripture that says that Jesus laughed? Sure he did. But I don't believe there's any reference to him laughing. So for me, that's such a wonderful picture. My favorite picture is, is of a little baby just grasping onto Jesus. I drew it when I was 12. And it was what I desired. To, maybe I was 14. I desired that to be my relationship with God. And it was me grabbing on round his neck. Almost what was like that earlier on. Or cradled. Cradled in his arms. Jesus was a Middle Eastern Jew. He was ordinary looking. He bled. He had pain. He had joy. He had a family. But verse 2 gives us the only meaningful hint of what he looked like. And it says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Can I get a next slide, Alistair? And we do know that Jesus was overlooked all too often. 
But if you see most movies of Jesus and you have crowd scenes, whether, you know, all of them, if I can think, as some of these movies are flashing through my mind, you got a crowd scene and you don't see the people on the insides, uh, at the sides, you don't see people up the top, you see Jesus. He's often dressed a little bit differently. He's often a lot cleaner. He's not getting a halo around about him. Yes, people are looking at him. And there's a lot of Christian leaders like that. They walk into the room and you can, you're a wee bit in awe. Remember someone that I know met um, President Clinton uh, a few years ago. Guy, uh, Josh, little John met Clinton. And uh, he just says he had a magnetism. He walked in the room and you were just drawn to him. You wanted to talk to him. You wanted him to be your best pal. Um, all of that sort of stuff. But that doesn't seem to be what Jesus was like in appearance. And because of that, because of that, Isaiah 53 verse 2 says that people rejected him because he had no beauty about himself. Nothing isn't in his appearance that automatically drew us to him. Finally, Alistair. And we know that he was despised and rejected by mankind. Next one, please. Simply because of who he was. He's the Prince of Peace. I quite like that, you know. I've not got a real clue of what it really means, but I quite like that idea of Jesus being the, the Prince of Peace. And I'm attracted to that, and I, and I can get that. Or... Um, he's the great high priest. Wow, that's even, that's, that's a wonderful title. And again, I'd, I'd have to really unpack that, but it's not offensive. I, I, I don't want to step back from that. And I love it that Jesus is the embodiment of love. I love that. And I can get that and I can, I can ride with that one. But here is where most people suddenly step back and say, who do you think you are, Jesus? Who are you to tell me? And I don't, I'm not really attracted to what you look like or what you say anyway, so I'm not going to follow you. And it's this, when Jesus says, I am the truth. It might be true for you, Jesus, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true for me. People say that. Truth is not objective, truth is subjective. People say that, and because of that, they reject Jesus. But Jesus says, no, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. It's who I am. It's who I've always been. It's who I will always be. And because of that, because of who he is, people despise and reject him. Is it Hawkins or Dawkins? I think it's Dawkins. Who's one of the what is it, the great horsemen of the new, uh, uh, what are they called? What do they call themselves? The I, but he, of the, I, whatever he's a number to. Oh, he's no, he's a very intelligent man. But he rejects Jesus and Christianity completely, and he's been quoted as saying, even if it was true, I still would not believe. Why? Because of hardness of heart. I am affronted, I despise, I reject who you are, even if it is true, it is not what I want. 
Next slide, please. And you know what? I think 2,000 years ago, Jesus was rejected for that, and he is rejected today for that. We enjoy the meek Jesus. We can get on with the meek Jesus. We can get on with the Jesus of love, but we can't get on with the Jesus who is the judge. And Jesus says, it's been said of Jesus, he will come to judge the living and the dead. That's who he is. You can't take one and reject the other. You can't pick and mix just to please yourself. Or you can, but it will not allow you to come to the Father and, and kneel willingly before Jesus and confess him as Lord. Because it's who he says he is. He was a man of suffering and he was familiar with pain. And because of that, they despised Jesus simply because he suffered. They had no use for him. From cradle to grave, Jesus was familiar with suffering. It didn't just happen at the cross. It happened all the way through his life. He was familiar. And actually, his suffering led him to the cross. Next one, Arthur. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. And in these three verses, we read that Jesus was despised twice. Despised basically means, you know, um, a, a, a deep-seated hatred. It's not just rejected, it's a deep-seated hatred. And yet, in this whole passage of Isaiah 53, it contains the good news of everything we need, how Jesus was bruised for, for us, how he was wounded for us, how he was beaten, he was betrayed, how he was mocked and scourged and crowned with thorns, and he was crucified for us because he loves. And our sins drove him to the cross. He went willingly, but Jesus' love kept him and the cross until it was accomplished once and for all. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain and because of that, he was rejected. And we esteemed him not. He was a nobody. He was nothing. And because of that, we rejected him. And in fact, the religious leaders thought him only worth 30 pieces of silver. I'm telling you all these, I'm not telling you, I'm exploring all of these things, some from the heart, some from notes, to build up a picture of who Jesus is. Because I know that I can make Jesus in my own image. In the last two weeks, I've had to wrestle with forgiveness. To a point that I believe for two days I was in deep depression. Because I did not want to forget. I was wounded, I was bruised. My wife will tell you, I was quiet, I was silent, I was hurting, I was betrayed, etc., etc., etc. And for two days, I couldn't even speak about it. But I believe the teachings and the person of Jesus broke through. Have I forgiven? Probably not fully, not until I see the person face to face. Have I hurt this person? Definitely. Do I need to seek forgiveness? Yep. Do I want to? No. Nope. Is my heart in it? Not yet. 
But the real Jesus says, forgive even your enemies. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Love as you have been loved. Share from the bounty that God has given. And in that way, by doing that, you allow me to make you more in my character and my likeness. We have an image of Jesus. Some of it we can accept, some of it but we can't. And I believe that God by his spirit will continue to pursue us because he loves us. Pursue us because he is the judge. So we have a right picture of Jesus and we will be known as his disciples if we follow him. And I think it's the last one, Alistair. Can you just throw it up? Keep going, keep going, keep going. So what do you see in Jesus? I know I'm speaking to people who have been followers of Christ for 16, 70 years, and I'm speaking to people who have been followers of Christ for less than a year. And we'll have favorite stories and favorite passages and favorite songs that encourage us to worship, that encourage us to cry, that encourage us to give more of our heart. Most concluded that Jesus was an insignificant rabbi from Nazareth but yet they couldn't keep him in a box. And for that, they hated and they despised Jesus. From our own failures, from our own history, but certainly from the history and failures that we see so evident in Scripture, may we learn from other people and save ourselves from boxing Jesus in. Save ourselves from the heartache of trying to control Jesus. What's the, what's the, what's the Aslan thing? He's not, Miranda, he's not, but he's not, is he dangerous? What's it? Tell me again. He's not tame. Jesus is not tame. He's not safe, but he's dangerous. Is it something like that? Do you know what I'm getting at? Jesus will never be safe. You'll never be kept. And he is dangerous. He is dangerous. So the long-expected Savior has come. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And for those who receive him, who abide in him, he gives the right to become children of God. It's a heart thing. Jesus demands our hearts, literally. And if that's lost in you, pray that you would just, in your own way, in your own way, however you pray, say, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, would you prove that to me? And if you've confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, and yet a little bit of it's lost in you, in your own way, however you pray, would you pray, Jesus, would you enlarge in my vision? Enlarge my vision of who you are and what you've called me to be. Shall we pray together? I've been on a little bit longer than anticipated, but hey. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. 
to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.